Hey guys, what's going on? My name is Dr. Colin Zhu, and thank you so much for being here with us. This is the Thrive Bites podcast, and welcome to season five. Here we talk about three things, plant-powered living, enhancing emotional resilience, and creating a thriving mindset. And I interview the most passionate guests here, ranging from physicians to coaches to dietitians to entrepreneurs. And my hope is to give you really informative and high-valued conversations. So please Follow us here on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, and wherever you hear your podcasts. Come on in, and I can't wait to see you inside. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Thrive Bites. Um, we have a wonderful uh, show for you today. Um, I'm going to be talking with my guest, Lizzie Cangro, and uh, she is a author, a nutritionist, a wellness coach, um, and also a physical trainer. Um, and uh, she goes and highlights her journey um, with eating disorders when she was uh, in the beginning of her uh, journey in her mid-teens. And she shares with us us, um, her challenges, what she had to go through, and ultimately how she was able to pull herself out of that. Um, she uses a lot of uh, you know, self-reflective life experiences, uh, resources, and ultimately uh, is taking all those experiences to be able to help women um, being able to reclaim uh, their rebel, um, per se. And uh, she does it in great fashion. Um, you know, she highlights, um, you know, the, the, the process of how she does this and pretty much, you know, what women go through in terms of how they talk to themselves, how they treat themselves, you know, all the challenges they have to do with, uh, deal with, with society. So it's a great episode and I encourage you to stay tuned. So uh, we'll see you inside. Okay, guys. Well, welcome to another episode of Thrive Bites Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Colin Zhu, and thank you so much for being here with us. You could have been anywhere in the world, and you decided to share your precious moments with us here today, and I am very, very happy that you did. So um, we have a great uh, topic of discussion. I have a great uh, guest for you today. Um, her name is Lizzie Cangro, and uh, she is the founder of the Reclaim the Rebel Academy, and she's also a international author. Um, in addition, she's also an expert nutritionist, wellness coach, and she has a passion for helping other women silence their inner mean girl. I love that. And uh, we'll get more into that uh, a little bit later. And she helps them to confidently step into their body that they love. She has a very unique framework and it consists of 12 rebellious acts in nutrition, movement, and mindset that empowers women to feel amazing in their bodies, even if they spent years at war with it. Her new book, Reclaim the Rebel, um, basically got published uh, end of last year, outlines these game-changing tools in an easy-to-read and practical format with exercises to accompany each rebellious act so, they, so that readers can transform the way they can see themselves and their bodies as they progress. It's uh, really like you're having your best friend on your bookshelf, and I can't wait to dive deep. Please welcome Lizzie. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me and thank you to your listeners for tuning in. It's so great to be here. Oh, thank you very much. Um, I did pronounce your last name correctly, right? Yes, you did. Okay. And also, what a beautiful introduction. Um, thank you. 
So. Oh yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, I don't have the the movie voice, but you know, we'll we'll try to make do. <laughs> <laughs> no, you really uh, do have where... a great great voice for for um podcasts. So you know, I I absolutely love your voice, and people always say to me, you know, oh, I love your accent, um, and I'm just like, what, what accent? I don't have an accent. <laughs> <laughs> You don't really know until you like step out of, you know, your native country, right? And you're like, what are you talking about? Absolutely, yes. <laughs> um, let's first by ask, you know, where are you calling from today? I'm actually, um, I now live in Los Angeles, but I'm calling from Arizona. So I'm on a work oh. trip right now um, in super, super hot <laughs> Scottsdale. So uh, my little English skin is sizzling, but it's beautiful out here. Um, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I lived in okay. LA for, for three years now. So Okay. Okay. And before that, you were uh, uh, in the UK for a little bit, or were you just travel all over? Yes. So um, born and raised in the UK. Um, I studied um, at Cambridge and then did my master's degree in London. So um, mm. kind of stayed in that vicinity for a while um, and then came out to the US to uh, really pursue my career in, in nutrition. And a lot of things kind of uh, transpired, met my husband and now here <laughs> we are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Arizona is uh, very, very different. LA is also very, very different. I would, I would presume. You know, I've only been to London once, um, and uh, you know, love it. Um, I just remember the clouds, the clouds, <laughs> the grayness, I'm, I, and I'm just like, hmm, this is kind of like Seattle, <laughs> a little bit <laughs> like the Pacific Northwest. So, um, but everyone was very, very lovely and uh, lots to do, lots to see, uh, obviously uh, a lot of history and culture. So yeah, it's a very, very good time. Do you visit often? Uh, well, the pandemic somewhat kind of slowed that down. Um, we were going back every kind of six months, but um, that kind of got stalled. And then I applied for my green card so I couldn't travel outside the country. So we are eagerly awaiting to be able to go and visit again really, really okay. soon. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have my well, hopefully think these up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully things, uh, you know, ease up uh, pretty soon. So, yeah. um, so I can't wait to dive right into it. So let's, um, you know, the first question is the origin question from point A to point B. I love asking my guests this is, how did you get here? Right? You said that you studied, you know, in Cambridge, um, you know, and you spent a lot of time there. Um, but not just, you know, physical location and the traveling and, you know, meeting, you know, your partner now, but how did you arrive to saying, Hey, you know, I want to pursue more nutrition and wellness and coaching. And then, you know, seemingly wanting to, you know, focus more on, you know, women and the ups and downs that females go through. We were just talking a little bit uh, about this offline um, and just, it, it almost seems like being their advocate, you know, um, and being their cheerleader, um, because it just sounds like a very, very tough, um, uh, tough go at it. <laughs> you, you, you know what I'm saying? In terms of, you know, how we treat ourselves, you know, internally, you know, within the mindset. And, um, you know, over the pandemic, you know, a lot of us, if not most of us, um, have gone through some up and downs. Um, in terms of mental and emotional challenges, whether it's with our 
ourselves in terms of our self-talk, whether it's with, you know, a relationship, um, a partner or your family, you know, relationships have definitely been tested. But to me, the most important relationship is with ourselves. So before we get, you know, into the nitty gritty, how did you arrive here? Yeah. And that's a really great question. And it really begins when uh, I was 14 years old. And I, like many people, I think, who are so passionate about this in the wellness space, um, I had my own journey to achieving wellness, achieving unconditional love for my body and really making peace with myself. And uh, as I say, it all started when I was 14 years old and um, I developed an eating disorder. Mm. And um, I talk about this a, a lot more in my book. But essentially, my granddad died all of a sudden from a heart attack. And um, through my naivety, I thought I'd somehow contributed to this um, because a couple of days before, I'd baked him a lemon drizzle cake, which is his favorite. And he was going through chemotherapy. And I thought, what better way to make him feel better than to bake him a nice cake? Um, and so somehow... I linked his death to this cake <laughs> and started reading in magazines at the time. It wasn't really social media. It was magazines about how I could um, eat healthily and um, nourish you know, my friends and family with healthy foods so that it didn't happen again. Mm. And this um, resulted in me consuming a lot of bad advice, um, non-expert advice, and getting myself into a very um, ill position, um, both mentally and physically. And so I suffered with this eating disorder for about 10 years until uh, one day I got diagnosed with osteoporosis, which um, if the listeners aren't sure what that is, it's essentially weak bones. Um, and it's something that um, in the Western um, medical um kind of uh, world is something that is not curable. It's believed to not be curable um, and is associated with postmenopause. And in that moment, I did not identify as somebody who was postmenopause and remember thinking, okay, now I have to really do something about this. I really want to get well. So I started you know, following the advice of um, my GP. Um, they gave me very kind of specific um, nutrition recommendations and movement recommendations like Pilates. And I started sort of following that and actually did deeper research into nutrition from um, trusted sources like the um, National Osteoporosis Association. Um, and through that, my passion for actually nutrition <laughs> reignited. I'd kind of lost that connection with my food. And I decided to go on and study for my degree in nutrition. At the time, I was a teacher. Um, I was a primary school teacher. And um, I just changed careers because I knew that nutrition was what I was meant to do. I was meant to help other women um, so that they didn't have to go through what I went through. Mm. So I studied my degree. I learned more about nutrition from, you know, reputable um, individuals and sources. And through that, um, started my own business, uh, Nutrition by Lizzie, specifically to help women with their nutrition. 
The story doesn't stop there though, <laughs> because a lot of women were coming to me from their personal trainers um, who would find that clients wanted to lose weight, et cetera, et cetera, um, and go to their trainers first, as opposed to going to a nutritionist first. So I got a lot of referrals from these from these um, personal mm. trainers. And so I thought, okay, well, why don't I learn about personal training and become a personal trainer and incorporate movement into what I do? Um, because I'd had my own struggle with, um, you know, punishing myself with exercise also. So, you know, that became a huge passion and what I did. Um, so I went over to America and studied at UCLA fitness instruction. And during that time, um, the pandemic hit. <laughs> mm. So um, along comes the next component of kind of my journey. And I realized that whilst I had a very healthy balance in terms of my physical nourishment, you know, how I was moving my body and how I was nourishing it with my food, I still had some very self-abusive behaviors in terms mm. of my inner mean girl and what she was saying to me. Um, and so I went on another personal development journey where um, I really learned how to silence that inner critic and find inner peace and become my own cheerleader. And so mm -hmm. that has really become my purpose because I have gone through that, you know, 15 year journey of actually discovering how to be kind to myself, actually be my own best friend um, so that I can enjoy life. I can have those quality relationships with others. Um, but that really all starts with the relationship that I have with myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. I appreciate, you know, you sharing that. Um, you know, eating disorders are, you know, a really... Um, I remember um, going through my training, you know, I trained as a GP um, and we pretty much learn a little bit about everything and um, eating disorders, anorexia, um, bulimia nervosa um, and all other kinds um, can be very, very uh, detrimental um, to the point where, you know, some would need hospitalizations, some, you know, would get as far as uh, the intensive care unit in terms of needing care. Um, to psychiatric, you know, care. Um, and it's, a, and, and sometimes you would need a lot of multi, a large part of it is multidisciplinary, you know, approaches, you know, because it's not just the qu uh, quality or quantity of food. It's about, like you said, the mindset, um, kind of like how we we're talking about, you know, um, offline. It's, it's really the, in a way, the self abuse that you do in a way, you know, that's one way to look at it. Um, and it could be, you know, due to many, many, you know, different things. Um, you know, how uh, was it just based off of nutrition and physical activity? You were able to kind of, you know, jump through the hurdles of your own, um, you know, uh, you know, challenges with uh, eating disorder or where did you find the greatest help, um, you know, from all this or was it a combination of everything? Yeah, that's another great question. Essentially, um, I was that individual that had to go into the A&E or um, ER room um, because 
Um, I was struggling on my own for a very long time, um, you know, a couple of years, and my parents tried to kind of do it themselves in terms of, help, you know, helping me eat more and look after myself more, and it just didn't work. So they um, took me to the doctor one day, and the doctor couldn't even, you know, take my blood. Um, my pulse was at 30 beats per minute, and he said, okay, you're going to the emergency room. Mm. And so that was really kind of like um, – a very big shock to me because I didn't really, I wasn't aware of being ill. I was just mm. the person who was trying to be healthy. Um, and so from that moment on, it was really a journey, um, not only of what I just described, but of um, letting people in to help me. Um, so I had a care team um, in the community for about a year, and then I actually had to go into a psychiatric ward and be an inpatient um, for the summer after I sat my um, GCSEs, which is what the exams that you take at 16 years old, um, so that I could go on to college and um, sixth form college, so like 16 to 18 years old <laughs> in, in um, the UK. Yeah, it's very different here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I was Us Americans were like scratching our eyes like, what is So many acronyms. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so to be able, for my parents to be able to kind of really um, trust that I would be able to handle being alone um, and handle, um, take responsibility for my food. I went in as an inpatient over the summer, just between kind of, um, finishing those two points in school, um, and starting, um, at the other points. So, um, and, and actually, you know, that inpatient time was so, so crucial for me because, um, I had a lot of support from psychologists, from an art therapist, from family therapists. Um, mm. and it, it definitely helped me um, in terms of my weight gain and, you know, improving from a, uh, kind of, um, physical perspective, but kind of, it was like a dormant volcano. And I was still somebody who had a lot of, um, low self-esteem, um, low self-love. And so when I went off after discharge to college, <laughs> um, in inverted commas, the, um, 16 to 18 year, um, bracket of education, I actually got worse. Um, and um, for probably about four years, I was um, struggling with knowing that I had a problem and also not being able to fix it. And I was very ashamed because I felt like I'd failed my parents. Um, mm. You know, I'd put them through a lot already. And now um, I couldn't, I, I couldn't be responsible for my food. And I was still really struggling with my body and my body image. Um, and that kind of all changed when I did get my diagnosis, I went to the doctor after feeling like um, my lower back was aching whilst mm. I was on my shift at Starbucks. It was my first job. And um, I kind of did that in secret, went to the doctor and said, hey, like, what's going on? She did the bone scan. Um, and uh, the shock of being diagnosed with this meant that I had to open up to my parents and say, you know, this is what's happening. I really yeah. need help. Um, so that was really a, um, a big moment for me in terms of letting people in, being vulnerable, um, because I think for so many of us, whilst my experience is very specific to me, I think a lot of us try and, you know, deal with things on our own because we feel like being vulnerable is a sign of weakness or, you know, yeah. not being able to deal with this on our own is a sign that we're kind of like not good enough or something mm -hmm. that's absolutely not true. 
Um, it's like when you're running a race, you know, these mar- marathon runners, they have to run the race, but they have a support team behind them that's mm-hmm. kind of there cheering them on. And that's kind of like the analogy that I now like to use because, you know, without that support team, it's going to be very difficult to actually, you know, make it through that race. So whilst you're struggling along trying to carry that weight on your shoulders, you're actually doing yourself a disservice and you're actually doing other people a disservice because they love you and want to help you. Mm. Um, So that's a very long answer to your question, but I definitely had phases where I had different people helping me and you know I like to now say it was my cheer squad um that's (laughs) kind of (laughs) that's how I like to talk about it um and it's an honor now when people invite me to be part of that cheer squad um because I know what it takes sometimes to ask for that help yeah yeah no that's super important and as you were you know referring to a marathon analogy i was thinking about you know the first marathon that i ran um in new york city and uh it it does take a village you know whether it's raising a kid or you know um you know uh, or any other um mental emotional or physical endeavor you know you would hope that there is a huge support team and um you know rallying you know behind you i know how i got here you know was not an individual effort it's on the shoulders of many many different people um so you know number one thank you for sharing uh, you know so much of those uh you know intimate details um and everything i am curious a lot of um you know we do talk about uh, osteoporosis on this podcast um you know and a lot you know very you know, uh, different from, you know, how they're diagnosed, you know, you're absolutely right. Postmenopausal, a little bit more elderly, advancing age, um, sedentary lifestyle, things like that. A lot of times they don't know until they actually suffer a fracture. Um, so did you by any chance, uh, break anything? Um, or you just had back pain when that happened? Yeah, I just had back pain. Um, and the I was ultra aware of the potential issues that could come with my eating disorder because it was spelled out to me. Um, you know, the kind of issues with your cardiovascular system, um, with your bones. And so I, at that point, was very aware that I was still struggling. And when I had lower back pain, I thought, oh, this is kind of something that I need to look into. So I didn't suffer a fracture, um, luckily. Um, but what I found was I had the osteoporosis in my lower back. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that was a big shock. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that, uh, you know, you're feeling better now, you know, you look radiant and, you know, ready to take on the world and help others. So I, I, you know, again, I appreciate sharing the story. So, um, please let us know what you mean by, you know, the inner mean girl, you know, what, what, what does that mean for those that, um, don't understand, uh, what that is. Hey guys, we're going to be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hey guys, if you are interested in having a consultation with me and actually see me one-on-one, um, the Chef Doc Lifestyle Medicine uh, practice has partnered with Plant-Based Telehealth and uh, we offer uh, lifestyle medicine consultations. So you'll be able to see me one-on-one and uh, I can go over your health history and seeing what we can do to fill in the gaps. Uh, we can talk about your physical health, 
anything from food to lifestyle to diet to setting up your kitchen to cooking preparation to grocery shopping to your mental health. Um, I think it's important that we build our emotional resilience to talking about your sleep and how to stay hydrated and what are the best uh, medicines if necessary, what are the best supplementations if necessary. And we do all this in a very concise manner and it's a conversation. I take the time out to listen. I take the time out to really understand you from the ground up and to look at all aspects um, of your physical, emotional, and mental health. And uh, please, you know, uh, drop me a line, schedule an appointment if you want to see me one-on-one. And um, I am very, very looking forward to learning more about you. And again, thank you so much for visiting uh, here uh, at The Chef Doc. Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. Yeah, so we all have one. <laughs> our inner mean girl is essentially our inner critic. Um, it's that voice in our head that we hear sometimes daily on repeat when we look in the mirror, look at our bodies, try on some clothes that don't necessarily fit us the way that they used to. Um, and she just shames and judges us for uh, not only our appearance, but who we are as partners um colleagues you know how we're doing at work um and she can be very very loud (laughs) from time (laughs) to time so really my um, passion is helping um individuals particularly women because I can speak from um you know experience um to silence that inner mean girl move through those moments where she is really really loud um, and to reframe her negative stories into ones that feel more aligned to feeling good. Because um, no matter how long we've kind of like been um, on this journey to actually being kind to ourselves, to, you know, having more love for our bodies, she will probably pop up from now and again, you know, we're <laughs> all human. Um, so it's not necessarily about getting rid of her because what she's actually trying to do is she's trying to keep us safe. Um, but safe, doesn't always mean that it feels good. So safe is predictable and the predictable story is um, I'm not good enough or I'm not capable enough or I'm not worthy enough. Um, and so she'll play that on repeat um, to kind of keep us from changing um, you know, what we do with our lives or kind of um, how our lives look. Um, but that doesn't feel good. So when she pops up, all we need to do is learn how to reframe things so that, you know, that loud voice kind of quietens down and kind of say to her, it's okay, you know, loving my body is safe, you know, feeling confident is actually a safe thing for me to have, you know, it's okay <laughs> to go online mm-hmm. and to show your body, um, you know, on the beach or to, you know, um, do some of the things that maybe some of us would kind of um feel a lot of resistance to so that is essentially our inner mean girl and she's very much like a toddler the more that you try and ignore her the more she will scream <laughs> um, <laughs> so. no that's a, that's a good good analogy yeah because yeah. at the end of the day you don't want to you don't want to suppress anything you know in my in my uh you know other lines of work you know is really about not suppressing things um i'm personally would like to get things off 
um, as soon as possible, right? Um, but sometimes we develop these habits of saying like, you know, it, you know, maybe a little bit later, I'll bring it up or, you know, now it's not the right time or what would people think of me if X, Y, and Z, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so you just give yourself uh, kind of like a, um, how do you say it, uh, a way out of not actually addressing uh, the actual issue in the room, you know what I'm saying? Um, so my next question to you is that, you know, in terms of females, which is, you know, your focus, you know, what are the common, you know, challenges that women deal with, you know, nowadays? And what are some, you know, misconceptions, you know, when, you know, they kind of go about it. And I would say a bonus question is, has this changed over time? Because as a guy, when you're looking at, you know, magazines and commercials and now social media, you know, has been um, pretty much, you know, the new form of media. It doesn't seem like much has changed. Um, I would probably argue things have, you know, gotten worse, you know, because a lot of different platforms utilize the, the visual aspect to portray things. And, you know, with softwares of editing and filtering, you know, it just creates this illusion um, that this is actually reality and it actually would uh, warp one's view on, okay, this is what I'm supposed to strive for in terms of a body image. Um, yeah. So what are the common challenges, misconceptions, and has anything changed over time? <laughs> I, I would agree with you that it hasn't necessarily changed. And if it has changed, then it's got worse. Um, just because of that ability for, I think, um, us to have um, those images in front of us um, even more um, prominently and more frequently than, say, for example, when I was a teenager growing up. I would um, really hate to be a teenager growing up right now just because of the amount and the frequency of these kind of like not ne not necessarily helpful images of what um, a body should look like. Um, and so what I have noticed, though, changing is two things. Um, first of all, the um, ideal body type has definitely changed over time. So um, in the 90s, when I was growing up, um, it was very much kind of the stick thin um, models. Um, and now um, kind of going into to the 2000s and, and even kind of up till kind of today, um, it's kind of gone to the very kind of curvy body types with a tiny, tiny waist, um, but, you know, that kind of hourglass. So um, the kind of goalposts of what ideal is keep moving. So that's another way that it's actually got worse is that women are bombarded with all of these messages of you need to have a perfect body. Um, but the goal keeps changing. So it's going to be even mm. more confusing. Um, but the other thing that has changed is I think actually helpful. And that is people like me, people like you are actually talking more about this stuff. And I think people are becoming more empowered to actually, you know, share and talk about these things and, um, authentically connect with other people about their experiences so that we don't feel so alone. Um, and that is the beauty of kind of social media and the internet is that we can connect more than ever um, mm. because things like eating disorders are so isolating. I remember feeling like I was on my own for such a long time. And so it is really, I think, helpful to be able to share our stories and, and kind of create that community where we go, okay, yeah, I see you. 
maybe I don't understand exactly what you're going through right now because not everyone has been through an eating disorder or whatever, but it is great to kind of, you know, have these places where people can actually feel seen um, Mm. and know where to go to get that support. So I think that is helpful, but the underlying issue is still there. And that is, is that we have this huge multi-billion dollar industry called the diet industry (laughs) that is essentially making money off of us not feeling good in our bodies because if we felt good in our bodies we wouldn't need their products and programs so essentially what happens is that we come in at an early age you know when our bodies are changing as women you know the ages of kind of 10 can be younger now. Um, and we feel our bodies changing and that feels very strange and it can be confusing. And that's when kind of social media and, you know, messages surrounding us from our family and our culture come in about what a body should look like. And then the diet industry comes in and says, oh, haha, we have a solution for you. Yeah. Um, and we buy into the products and the programs. And in doing all of this, we're actually reinforcing that belief of I'm not good enough. Mm. When I have that ideal body that keeps changing every few decades, um, then I'll be enough. And so we enter this kind of like vicious cycle of not feeling enough um, and chasing the next product or program that sells us that idea of you're not good enough. Um, And these programs don't necessarily work you know they Mm. might work in the short term like maybe you lose 10 pounds in a month which is a different conversation about how you know healthy that is but um you know what people will buy into these programs because they're so desperate to actually get the body that they've always wanted so that they can finally you know feel enough finally you know feel good Mm. and Results may last like a month and then, you know, back to square one a month later. And, you know, if we do this again and again and again, by the time we become adults and we're in our 30s, 40s, 50s, we are so demotivated and frustrated and just kind of sat there going, whoa, you know, what's the next thing coming my way? I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. And then that gets reinforced by our in a mean girl when we look in the mirror because we can see, um, you know, a distorted image um, of what good enough means. And we don't necessarily match that. So um, it's, it's a very toxic cycle. That is none of our fault. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that is the biggest misconception mm-hmm. um, to answer your question on that. Um, is that it's all our fault and it is not our fault. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just, if anything, want to empower women to take back that ability to really feel confident in their bodies because we're all born feeling confident, right? You look at a newborn baby and they're obsessed with themselves. Like their toes, they're just kind of like smiling and just (laughs) giggling. And so we all have that ability. It's just we lose it over time through, as I say, that combination of our environment and our own inner mean goal. And so it's really about reclaiming that for ourselves um, and pushing back on some of the messages that surround us every day. And boy, that is not always easy but it's something that is entirely possible. If I can do it <laughs> after all of the years of self-abuse, 
I know that it is possible for anybody to do that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, um, that's great. You know, how you broke it down. I appreciate that. It's, um, and when you were talking about toddler, I was actually thinking about my, um, my cousin's daughter that was just born, um, not too long ago, a few months and, uh, just came back from a wedding and the first time I, you know, met her, um, and she was just playing, she's only a few months old and she's already giggling. She's happy. She's like, you know, not sucking her thumbs. She's sucking her toes. She, you know, because, you know, they're all flexible. Right. So, um, so it was, you know, and I think about children, um, and I think about how much they are so encouraged, um, and reinforced in terms of whether they produce, uh, good habits or even if they make mistakes, um, or trip up, they're encouraged to get back up. You know, they're encouraged to, you know, keep going. It's okay. You know, because, people associate like, oh, they don't know any better. Um, you know, they're young, you know, they need instruction. Um, you know, they, you know, we all want to be able to help them up, but it's interesting how over time, um, it's literally the reverse where, you know, it's not supporting you. It's not encouraging you. It's not applauding you. It's more taking you down and making you feel bad. It's, you know, and it's, uh, and this is highlighted in high school, um, you know, all the way, you know, to, uh, modern day society and, you know, media and all that stuff. So, um, and you're right. It isn't our fault. Um, I think that besides sleep, we're literally bombarded um, all the time uh, with some sort of advertisement or distraction. And I would argue that, you know, uh, we're even more distracted than ever before. So to me, I, you know, you, you, it sounds like you agree, you know, we're, it's becoming more and more of an uphill battle. Um, So that leads me to the next question is if it's, you know, all these different things that are bombarding us and seemingly it's almost like we have to focus back on our own voice and own mindset and, you know, our own self-talk, how do you assist other women to kind of create that um, environment of a supportive environment of uh, a nurturing environment? How, you know, do you set up that process of kind of helping them get back to their own voices. You know, I know that, you know, you have a coaching program and uh, you probably don't want to, you know, say it all, but just kind of, you know, maybe just kind of walk us through like, you know, what does that look like? You know, the first Mm -hmm. initial steps. Yeah. Well, the first step is just being aware of (laughs) of this in a mean girl voice, because we walk around for years and years and years, potentially not even being fully aware of the really self-abusive things that we're telling ourselves. Um, And when we have that sudden awareness of what we're actually saying to ourselves, it's kind of quite shocking because (laughs) many of us would never dream of talking to our best friend, our mom, our sister um, in the way that we talk to ourselves. So step one is awareness. (laughs) Because if we're not aware of some of the mean things that we're telling ourselves, we can't you know, change those thoughts. So it's really important that we become aware. Um, Some people like journaling. um, Some people kind of will have a conversation with um, a member of their cheer squad, like their friend or partner, um, and kind of say like, am I saying (laughs) some negative stuff about myself? And so other Mm -hmm. people can be a really good mirror um, for our own um, negative self-talk. So there's different ways to kind of do that. But step one really is that awareness. 
so that we can kind of move on to step two, which is reframing our negative thoughts um, that we do have. So um, I like to use the analogy of um, when we wake up in the morning, we go to our closet and we pick out what clothes we're going to wear for the day. So um, <laughs> today I was feeling kind of bright and sunshiny. Um, so I wore my coral color um, mm -hmm. outfit. Um, but then another day, you know, you might put on, you know, some, uh, some jeans or something. So we get to pick what we choose that aligns to our mood and, you know, how we want to um, feel in that day. And we can do that with our thoughts. So um, it's all about, being aware and then aligning our thoughts to actually how we want to feel. So if a thought pops up, we have that awareness of it. Um, we can go, oh, is that actually aligned to me feeling good in my body? If not, we just scroll through the clothes rack and choose another thought. Um, mm. And that really is kind of the, the key. Um, and if we're able to do that consistently, with self-compassion, because we're not always going to get it 100%. Um, sometimes it's going to be harder than others um, in different scenarios as well. Um, but it really is a practice. And once we can kind of, you know, have that consistent practice, we'll soon notice that we become kind of our own expert in changing our negative beliefs. <laughs> so, you know, it's like anything, you know, that we start off doing, we might suck at it <laughs> for the first couple of tries, you know, beginners are beginners for a reason. Um, but then, you know, through practice, we become so effortless in what we're doing. And that includes choosing thoughts that are kinder um, and less self-abusive. So that's really the process that I kind of take women through. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and use different tools to do it yes yes of, of course of course and um you know on your website you have a coaching program you have uh you know your book and and, and stuff like that um and that's we'll, we'll go more into that a little bit later so you know uh we're coming to a close my last you know question that i love asking you know my guests is you know it's all about creating a thriving mindset here. And I love how you're talking about, you know, what am I going to choose, you know, and which emotion am I going to pick? What feelings I want to, you know, kind of put out forth into the world. And, you know, and this is, you know, what I'm, you know, dawning on and, you know, this is how I feel. And I think that's great. Um, are there other things um, that help you to thrive as part of your daily, you know, routine? Um, you know, what drives you to continue to keep doing what you're doing? What lights your fire? What is that for you? And, you know, and how have you incorporated that into your routine and lifestyle? So what kind of keeps me thriving and keeps me doing what I'm doing is just my passion. And I feel a very strong purpose to do what I do. Um, I feel like it's my, my responsibility and my kind of my soul's contract to help in the way that I do. So that is kind of what keeps me going. Um, but that kind of relates to what I do in the mornings, um, which is a really key habit for me to keep me thriving through that. So um, what I like to do every single morning um, before anything else is I spend 20 minutes um, doing a self-hypnosis and visualizing um, either how my day is going to look or um, how my kind of life looks, how my ideal life looks. Um, so it, it depends, um, but I will have that time in the morning that's just for me. Um, and that is kind of creating 
this um, vision for myself and how I want to help others. Um, and it's a really, really strong, um, how do I say this? It's a really strong way of showing that I matter by mm. physically putting myself first every single day. Because isn't it so easy to wake up get on our phone, see what the notifications are from our social media, check our emails, um, and kind of get straight into the day, putting everything else before our own needs. Um, and I yeah. found that for such a long time before I learned the, this art of actually taking just 20 minutes. It doesn't even have to be 20 minutes. It can be five minutes if you're, you know, a really busy parent and your kids are kind of like, mom, get up or dad, get up. Um, <laughs> But taking that time for you right at the start of the day is a great way of visually kind of showing yourself that you matter. And it's a really nice way of setting yourself up for the day. So um, I highly encourage anybody to give that a try. It might feel uncomfortable at first, um, but it's really, really effective. Yeah, yeah. I personally do the the Miracle Morning. Uh, if you ever read that book? Mm -hmm. uh, so I wake up... Um, you know, I, I give myself at least like three hours um, of uh, self-care um, and personal development. Um, and I, I agree with you. It's totally, totally, totally uh, super important because it helps give back enough time, silence, solitude, and self-care that you could show up a better version for others, you know, um, you know, because in some, some way, whether you're the postal, you know, serviceman or the trash collector, we're all serving humanity on some aspect or level. And I feel that when your own cup isn't uh, full, there's really nothing to give. Um, so it's important to kind of, you know, fill that up as much as possible. So, um, yeah. So thank you for sharing your, your, your routine. Um, uh, so, you know, we, you know, I, I definitely want to let the audience know how people find you, where can they reach out to you? Um, can you talk a little bit more about your coaching program and where they can get your book? Yes. Well, thank you. Um, so the best place to kind of find me and connect is on Instagram um, at Nutrition by Lizzie, uh, Lizzie with a Y. And um, if you're interested in my book and finding out more about that, um, it's www.reclaimtherebel.com. Um, you'll be able to find um, all the info about that, read some reviews and actually purchase the book. Um, and in terms of my coaching program, I offer both group self-study and one-to-one -one coaching and all of that is available on my website at nutritionbylizzie.com again lizzie is that with a y so just awesome come over and say hi on whatever platform you feel like <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's so many to choose from nowadays so <laughs> yes oh my goodness well, Lizzie, thank you so much for showing up, um, you know, uh, for us today. And, uh, you know, I really appreciate your story. Um, I think it's a powerful, you know, message and example uh, to let others know that, you know, despite the trials and tribulations and, you know, challenges that we go through, um, which includes external and internal, um, that, you know, we can always triumph and, you know, really, um, you know, leap over. Um, and it takes... Uh, a lot of individual work, uh, the support team that you're talking about, uh, the cheer squad, right? The cheer squad. <laughs> the cheer squad, yeah. And I actually yeah. have a Facebook group. So if people want to join the cheer squad, the three, okay. then they can. <laughs> okay, okay. Google Go to your main website. Work. They can find that too. 
yes, they'll, they'll be able to find that under the extra resources section. So, okay. um, or just head to Facebook and Google um, Reclaim the Rebel Your Cheer Squad. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. So thank you so much, um, you know, for spending that time out and uh, sharing, you know, your experiences and uh, wisdom with us today. Of course. Thank you again for having me. It's uh, really an honor to, to be here. So thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, guys, thank you so much for watching another episode of Thrive Bites. If you like this, please share, like, and subscribe and comment. And uh, if you feel that this was a benefit for someone else, please let them know. And until then, please say goodbye to Lizzie. <laughs> Hey guys, thank you so much for watching that episode. We hope that you enjoyed it. If you like this, please like, follow, and subscribe. And please follow us for the latest updates for this season, season five. And if you feel that this was a benefit for someone else, please let them know. And please follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, and YouTube. And thank you so much again. And we will see you on the next one. Mm-hmm.